0: Okay, great. So I'm now going to start our screen sharing and we're going to have that introduction. So we'll be coming back live in 30 seconds or so. No problem. Okay. Our next guest in the breakout room is Mark Drager. He is a pro-conversationalist, MC, moderator, brand strategist, and founder of Phantom Media. He's also a podcast host. We do hard things. This is our guest of the moment. As a leader, He says you must be courageous, there's only one of you and it takes courage to go all in on you. Sometimes he's just hanging out with his family. So let's welcome live in the breakout room, this creative entrepreneur, the man Mark Drager. So we are live in the breakout room, Mark. I see that smile on your face. What's happening, buddy? Tell me, tell me what's happening. Andy, I need to I need to bring you everywhere I go. <laughs> you're, you're like, you, you can like blow the trumpets for me before I enter any room, man. That was remarkable. Thank you. I'm glad that you liked it. I appreciate that. Hey, Mark, let's get with this conversation, man. I know that time is a premium. I really want to thank you for coming on, on the show uh, and this personal development in the breakout room and I look forward to sharing this valuable time with you. We will do some good content for our people and our tribe. So first of all, tell us, Mark, can you remember anything significant about your childhood days as a young man growing up, uh, the challenges or the neighborhood that you lived in, and how it created that platform for you to be where you are today?
1: Well, I had had a a mixed childhood. So Uh up until the age of seven, it was my mom, it was my aunt, my sister, and myself. Uh-huh. And, and honestly, I had a pretty idyllic childhood. Uh, I grew up in uh, I would, what I would consider kind of an upper middle class family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom w- was an entrepreneur and she worked from home. And so I was in a safe neighborhood with good schools. And uh, we had a great home life. And in the summertime, we would go to the lake. And in the wintertime we would go visit my grandparents down in Florida. And, and honestly, it was like a pretty amazing childhood. I was the youngest child. And, uh, and I had an older sister again, my aunt, my mom, and it was great. And then, um, when my mom was seven, when I was seven, sorry, my mom remarried uh-huh. and, uh, and what she didn't know at the time was my stepfather, who, the man that she married, uh, had some, some alcohol abuse issues, wow. uh, had some mental, mental health issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, And really, my world kind of changed. And so from the age of eight until Mm -hmm. 16, when I finally left home, it was a totally different world. And so I have kind of two childhoods I can draw on. The one where surrounded with amazing people with great opportunity, with a loving home, and then more of a pressure cooker, kind of abusive um very very kind of all over the place yeah a uh, stressful type of environment and so it depends which which conversation you want to have <laughs>
0: yeah i hear you thanks for sharing mark um what i'm hearing from that is that level of challenges that you would have faced would have sort of brought you to a place where you had to make some decisions because family was indeed important despite the fact that you were having these challenges And it brings me to the fact that you said you married your high school sweetheart. I did. And 20-something odd years and four kids later, you guys are still together. How much lessons did you learn from the past that helped you to retain that relationship? Well, uh, I mean, a few things. When we
1: first met, my wife was 16, I was 17. Uh And uh, when we started dating, I told her I, I never wanted to get married and I didn't want to have kids. Okay. And part of that was because I didn't grow up uh, where I would look around, my grandparents were married for over 60 years until my grandmother passed. But okay. uh, when I looked around, I didn't see very many people who were happily married. I didn't see really a lot of uh, structure or home life. And and I just didn't want to do that stuff. Now, we have four kids. We've, uh-huh. we've been married for 17 years. We've been together for 22 at this point. So so obviously somewhere along the way, things <laughs> have changed for me. But um, But I think part of it is... That when I was growing up, I was uh, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of like every man for himself type of okay, feel. Okay, okay, That's what it felt like. And All right. so when my wife came into my life, and the loyalty, and the hard work, and the realization that we could grow together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I just I I love what we have. I love what we've built, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't need anyone else. <laughs> so okay. it's working.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. You started your first business at 23 yes. with no money. How was that experience for you? And what lessons would you have learned that you can share with people in a similar position?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, so the first thing I did was I, I had a, a fairly low paid job. I was really young. My, my first daughter uh, had just been born. My wife wasn't working. And I decided that I wanted to quit my, my low paid job mm-hmm. and start this company. Now okay. I had been thinking about running a company for a few years. I mentioned that my mom ran a company when I yes. was young and was home. Yes. Yeah, my grandfather uh, built a, a very large business that that is still around today and was started in 1950. It's still okay. around today. So okay. I was around people who'd started businesses and I wanted to do that. Uh, but for myself, um, really, the, the main the main thing was how do you start. How do you start? And so I approached the company that I was working at, the CEO, and I said, let me leave. Let me leave this company and don't replace me. Mm -hmm. Instead, outsource the work that I was doing and and give it to me as a contractor. And they agreed. And so it wasn't that I started with zero money at all. I had some savings. Uh, My mom helped me uh, get together a $20,000 line of credit. Okay. And and this company let me leave and take the equipment with me and I was going to work it off in exchange. I was going to do okay. free work for them to earn back this equipment mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I took with me. Yeah. Now a few months in it wasn't going well because the company that said, "Hey, go ahead and leave Mark, we're going to we're going to give you this work." The work stopped uh-huh. because They when when they suddenly had to start paying for each individual project. And part of my pitch to them was, hey guys, I'm doing lots of work that doesn't make sense. Let's put some structure here. It turned out I put too much structure (laughs) because (laughs) they stopped stopped giving me work. Uh Uh, I had some of this equipment. This is 2006, 2007. Uh, I have some equipment, but I don't know how to sell. And I don't know what to say. And I don't have any advertising and I don't have any marketing. And I only had this $20,000 line of credit. And I realized five months in, it's May, I realized i'm running out of money and i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) and so uh it was kind of like starting with nothing but but at the time i didn't realize you can't really start a business with nothing you need something you need you need something to kind of kick start that's right that's right and uh i reached out to a friend i admitted that things weren't going well and they uh they connected me with a business coach and the best thing I yeah. ever did was yeah. admit to someone that I needed help, that yeah. it wasn't going well. Because yeah. as soon as I was willing to admit that, right, people were willing to help me.
0: Yes. And that is extremely important. It's one of the things that I learned myself, Mark. you got to reach out for help, man. you got to be humbly enough and realistic enough to say, hey, I need help. Especially in areas where you don't know you're trying something for the first time. There are people who have been there before. They have walked the path. Seek out reach out and things could change. How did Phantom Media became a reality? What are the things that led you to that place? Well, that's the company that I started back right. in 2006, Phantom exactly. Media.
1: And I mean, when when I started, I had gone to film school uh-huh. and uh, I was working, making videos for this company that I had left and said, hey, yeah. I'll let me leave. Right. And so when I started, I was like, I make videos. Okay. And I, I walked out and, you know, I started my company and I was like, I make videos. Who needs a video? Do you need, do you need a video? I'll, any, anyone need a video? I'll make you a video. And I didn't realize that's not how, that's not okay. how sales, <laughs> that's not how sales works. Uh, you know, if you're an accountant, you can be like, I'm an accountant. Yes. Who needs an accountant? Does anyone need yeah, an accountant? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm yeah. a coach. Does anyone need a coach? No one mm. thinks that way. And so oh. when I hired this business coach, really what, what, what helped me more than anything else was to realize that when you start something, typically you start it because you have a craft or a skill or a passion. But people, your your prospects, your clients, they don't think right. they don't think in the same terms you think in. Right. So I realized, and they helped me realize that I wasn't. People would come to me because they th- maybe thought they needed a video, but they didn't buy a video. They they were buying communications. Okay. or they were buying marketing or they okay. were buying advertising or they were buying leads or they were buying conversions they were always the video was like the medium or the package
0: yeah if you
1: work with an architect you're not buying a house you're working with someone who has style or yeah. or a sense of space or they're yeah. going to make your vision or your dream a reality they're going to impress I get it. people I get right it. you work with a tailor you're not buying a suit you're buying something that fits well that makes you feel confident and so the coach helped me really realize to look past the, the, the thing I was selling to mm. why people would buy and who they would be and, and what they would be willing to, to, to pay. And that was really the start of me figuring out this whole, this whole uh, entrepreneurial
0: thing. <laughs> Amazing. I, I love it. I love it. Fantastic story, Mark. You said that you lost 70 Pongs in your late 30s. Mm-hmm. How challenging was that for you, man? And what lessons did you learn as a result? It was um, I mean, it did it didn't all happen at once, mm-hmm. uh,
1: and i'm about I'm about twenty pounds heavier than than my lightest. So at this okay. point, i'm I guess I, I guess I'm about fifty pounds down from that. but um, you know honestly it 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 took a few years. it's it's me realizing that things don't you don't you don't go from from A to Z. Okay. You don't decide that you're going to lose weight and then lose weight. Sometimes you're losing weight. Sometimes you're gaining weight. Sometimes you're maintaining. Sometimes you're building muscle. Sometimes you're losing muscle. Sometimes you're building cardio. Sometimes you're losing your cardio. Okay. And I, I mean, I had, first of all, never thought of myself as athletic or healthy or that I could do it. And it turns out I can. I never really thought that I can, and I do struggle still to control my um, my calories and my okay. macros and, yeah, and all yeah. of that stuff. But yeah. in the right, with the right help, in mm-hmm. the right framework, with the right assistance, and the right thinking and the right attitude, I can do that. Okay. And uh, and so I mean, the the biggest lessons that I've learned really come down to a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I was really doing this crazy health challenge, um, I was complaining to my wife. That lifting weights, because I had just started lifting weights, hurt. And she said, it's supposed to hurt. And I said, it is? (sighs) I didn't. I didn't yes. know. Like, like honestly, everyone's always said, like, well, if it hurts, stop. If it hurts, stop. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, it's supposed to hurt.
0: No pain, I was no like, gain, Mark.
1: I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. It's supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. And another lesson, similarly, I was complaining to my coach because they were changing my meal plan. And yeah. I was on this really aggressive cut. I was going from, like, 2,000 calories a day to 1,800 to 1,700 to 1,600. Mm-hmm. I think at the bottom, I was at, like, 1,600 a day. and okay, And I worked out a lot. And I was complaining, like, hey, coach, don't you realize how busy I am, how hard it is, how hungry I am, how much this hurts, how tired I am? Mm. And then he just said, Mark, you have a goal. What did you think this was going to be like? Yeah. 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 And I said, I thought it would be a lot easier. I thought it (laughs) wouldn't be this hard. Like, I don't know. I just, I just thought, I just thought you would, you would make more accommodations for me. Mm. And he said, do you want your goal? And I said, yeah. yes. And he said, well, this is what it's going to take. That's right. So do you want your goal or not? If you don't want <laughs> your goal, then you can just sit here and complain.
0: Yeah.
1: If you do want your goal, this is what it's going to take to hit your goal. So stop complaining. Right. And, and it flipped this switch in my head to like, mm-hmm. I'm not a victim oh. here. I'm not a victim. Yeah. yeah. I chose this goal. Mm-hmm. I want this goal. Mm-hmm. I told everyone I'm willing to do the work. That's right. So why am I complaining about this stuff? Right. Like, like stop complaining and just get on with it. Yeah. And guess what? When that, when that's flip, when that switch flipped in my head and I realized Mm -hmm. with that, with the coach kind of saying like, what did you think this was going to be like? Like, did you think this was going to be a walk in the park? Did you think this was going to be fun? Yeah. Those, those things have helped me in business, have helped me in relationships, have helped me Everywhere in my life, those two lessons, it's going to hurt. It's supposed yeah, to. That's right. And, and what did you think would happen? Like You're not yeah. a victim here. You chose this. Now just
0: stop complaining and get on with it. Absolutely. Amazing story. The thing about it, Mark, is that when we do our research and we look at um, the neurosciences, it tells you that the way you need to look at stuff that happens in your life is not that you're a victim that it's happening to you but think about the fact that it's happening for you so that i can i can really uh, affiliate myself with what you're saying and and i appreciate it so you completed the chunk to hunk 90 day health challenge tell me about that well that's
1: that's the challenge that i learned those two Ah, lessons in wonderful that. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. I was uh-huh. in my late thirties and I'm, I still am. I'm turning 40 next year.
0: Okay. And
1: I, and, and so I had gotten a little bit fit, but when I decided to lose weight in 2018, mm-hmm. yeah, I was going into a size 40 pants. Uh, I was like 238 pounds or something, and I wasn't wow. feeling good. And I'd always, I hated going, getting dressed up because I didn't, none of my clothes fit and I had to hold my breath to tie my shoes and (laughs) running up the stairs, winded me and all of this stuff. You know, at that point I decided I'm going to start to, to get fit. And, and this is, this was such a mindset thing for me that I had tried dieting before, but every time that I quote unquote dieted, Mm -hmm. I I was miserable. And I remember walking around with my friend, Evan Carmichael and I, and he brings this up and I hate, I hate to admit this, but I told him This is what I said. This is how bad my mindset was. I told him that I thought I could either be a a skinny, miserable guy Mm -hmm. or a fat, jolly guy. And I kind of had to pick, you know, I'm either going to be skinny and miserable or fat and jolly. And those are my two options. And so finally in 2018, I said, I want to start to get fit. And I pulled out a picture I found online a picture of someone who kind of looked like me before mm-hmm. and had this crazy cool after uh, image. And I was like, I, I want that. I want to be that guy. I get it. And so a few years goes by and I'm healthy now and I'm, I'm leaner, but I still didn't look like that picture. So mm-hmm. the chunk to hunk challenge was me just asking uh, my coach, mm-hmm. Hey, what would it take for me to get six pack abs? You know, I've, I've never been lean. I've never lifted weights. I've never really been athletic. I was healthy. I was working out, but you know, I was still carrying quite. I was still carrying some weight, you know, around my midriff yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and I wanted yeah. to. I wanted to be badass. I wanted to be attractive. <laughs> I wanted. I told him I wanted to be a bathing suit model. Wow. What would it take to to do this? And he said it would take you know like ninety days. And and so I hired a nutritionist. Uh, I worked with my personal trainer. We put together a plan. And this is where those first two or three weeks in. My wife says it's supposed to hurt because yes. now I'm lifting weights. Mm-hmm. This is March of twenty twenty one so I'm lifting weights for the first time in my life. never did any weight training yeah um, it's supposed to hurt yeah uh, i'm I'm doing a meal plan that was really challenging, and my coach is saying, "Hey, Mark, what did you think this was going to be?" And that flipped a switch in my brain. yeah and I learned a few really tough lessons I mean um. 30 days in, I reset the challenge. So it ended up becoming 120 days, became four right. months. And, um, you know, by the end of it, I was, I, I had Im- I was disappointed with the results still, but when I look mm-hmm. back,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was pretty impressed. I'm pretty impressed uh, with myself. I don't, I, I can't believe that I did it. And sometimes I still want the same results, but by the end, what I realized was I was able, for the first time in my life, to have a sense of confidence in myself that I had never felt before. Okay. I so so I was able to tap into to a ridiculous amount of confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I surprised myself with my ability and my um and my discipline. Yeah. And and quite honestly, um, I was a very different person at the end of it. Now I still want those results. Yeah. And yet I haven't put myself back in the situation where i'm doing what it takes to oh, get the results okay. and so even today like you know these last few weeks i've been making some changes to my diet and i've been changing my exercise and my body compositions changed. but 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 i go like i want that confidence i had i want to look the way i looked and i know that the answer is simply do what i did then to get right. the results i had then the if result. i'm not yeah, willing to yeah. do the work I'm not going to get the results. It's, it's very black and white, right? Like if you want to look a certain way, you can, but you can't drink alcohol. If you love a glass (laughs) of wine every night and I don't drink wine, but if you love a glass of wine every night, you're not going to get the body that you want. So it's like, it's just very do what you have to do. There's no judgment here, but Mm -hmm. if you want that, do it. And if you're not willing to do it, Stop dreaming about it. Stop complaining about not getting it. Stop beating yourself up for
0: would've, would've, should've and
1: could've. Just do it
0: or let it go. Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) To a certain extent, I have the feeling, Mark, that that kind of attitude, that kind of mindset is something that you use also from a professional perspective. You're a brand strategist and you 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 help people to create better stories so that their image is promoted they are rebranded and that kind of thing how much of that plays into what you do right now in terms of the clients that you have on board it's 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 all it's all the same so we're yes i'm a brand
1: strategist and i help entrepreneurs and coaches and consultants uh basically turn their personal brands or their companies into sales engines and right. we're very, very pragmatic about this because I've been doing this for, I mean, Phantom Media started in 2006. We've worked on thousands of projects for hundreds of companies. Right. And, and frankly, there has to be a certain amount of pragmatism to this. It's really mm-hmm. great to hope and dream. You know, like, like if you go way back, people used to say, like, I want to make a viral video. Okay, you can make a video and it may go viral, but you can't make a viral video. And people would say like, oh, we're just going if to, we, if we just put our product out there, oh my goodness, people are going to love it. Mm. Well, why would they love it? And, and how yeah. will they find out about it? Right. And so, you know, you can, you can certainly be optimistic and you should, you can be hopeful and you should, yeah. but, but, but hope and optimism is not strategy.
0: Right. right.
1: Right. And I've watched far too many people go like, if I just make something good and put it out there it's going to be amazing. And it's like, well, let's be a little bit more cynical. Let's be a little bit more skeptical. Let's realize how much work goes into this. Right, It takes so much effort and investment and work to be able to get people to care about what you care about.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: It really does. I mean, like you're, you're, you're a coach and you do all of this transformative work. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're out here, you know, helping you're, you're a coach and you're a writer and you're a speaker and you're, you, you want to be a change agent. Like you can probably look at someone and immediately go like, Oh, I see X, Y, Z would totally help them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Have you wasted your time trying to convince people to help themselves? It's like, it takes so much effort. It takes that's so right. much time. It does. It does. And that's at things that you're not even trying to sell them on. Yeah. Like, like you're just trying to leave them with a gift. And it, and it takes a lot of work and effort. Now, bring this into a sales scenario where no one trusts you and there's lots of competition and um, there's lots of uh, uh, cynicism out there and there's confusion and, and it's an attention economy. We got to be really pragmatic about this. Yeah, Who are we yeah. speaking to? What do they care about? Who else is, who else is are you competing with for attention or for the message? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you saying a message that actually connects with people? and is it, is it in a way that, that connects with them? So are you basically showing up looking the way you need to look? Yeah, saying the things you need to say and making people feel the way you need to make them feel? And Wow. And our agency helps you figure all of those things out, yeah. and then tests them in market. And
0: once you do those things, you, you, your sales go up. Hmm. <laughs> Amazing. That sounds so fantastic. Something to look forward to, to work with in the future. You had the opportunity to work with NBA players. I did. Something <laughs> that a lot of people dream of. What was that experience like for you?
1: Well, um, I mean, it was, it, was, it was fun and not fun at the same time. So we wow. produced uh, a national television uh, campaign. Uh-huh. Uh, working with uh, one of our great clients, uh, a, a company up here called Sun Life, mm-hmm. and uh, they they worked with the NBA. So the the year the Toronto Raptors won the championship,
0: yes, yes,
1: as part of Sun Life sponsorship, Sun Life uh-huh. has their little logo on on the, yeah. the Raptors yeah. jerseys. Yeah, uh, we were we were able to work with with a few of the uh, the Raptors in a commercial spot. So it wasn't it wasn't fun in the way that like hey we're responsible for producing this national campaign. We got, we got a lot of different people, (laughs) a lot of different, uh, uh, voices and, and we got to make sure we look, make everyone look good. That's what we're doing. Okay. What was amazing about it is, um, is the guys were so, uh, the players, the guys were so humble. Yeah. And, um, real people, you know, one, one of, one of the guys that I remember sitting down with Pascal, um, you know, his brother, his brother was like his, his like bodyguard. Yeah. And he's like this massive guy. <laughs> and it's just like me and Pascal and his brother. And we're just sitting around talking and folding chairs, right? Like wow. they're just like picnic chairs, folding yeah, chairs. Yeah, we're just sitting yeah. there talking and, and I'm asking them like, Hey, where are you from? And, uh, um and, and uh, I can't recall. I remember them being French. So maybe they were Haitian. Um, uh, But it's like, it's like, Hey, where are you from? And what are you doing? And how are things going? And, Uh, so, so one, we have to remember that even the people that we look up to, Mm -hmm. uh, they are just absolutely normal people. They have the same fears. They have the same concerns. They have the same worries that you and I have. Um, they, they have a lot of pressure on them to, to, to fit the mold, to show up, to represent. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we made them look completely badass. We did a great project. We made the okay. clients look happy, and mm-hmm. and uh, I got a chance to hang out with them for, <laughs> for
0: wonderful, like, yeah, a bit. Great. Now, here's the thing, Mark. We we are basically in a session that a lot of people consider as post COVID, because mm-hmm. things appear to be going back to some semblance of normalcy, but that is not the case with everybody. No. What advice would you give to folks who had a business I was doing pretty good, and they need to rewire, rebrand, re-strategize, start all over again. But they don't know where to start. They don't know how to start. Mm-hmm. That's right up your alley, right? What would you say to them? Because they need to bounce back.
1: Yeah. So uh, the best thing that we can all do is realize there's never, ever going – there's no going back. Okay. Never. Okay. Uh, and that's hard, for, that's hard for you. That's hard for me. Before COVID hit, I had a multimillion-dollar company. I had a 24-person team we are not a multi-million dollar company today. I do not okay. have a 24 person team. Wow. I rode, you know, the, the we we lost 70% of our revenue <laughs> as soon as covid hit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I've been there. I've been there through the what are we doing and how can we rebuild and and what do people care about and yeah. do, do I have the energy to do this a second time and all of those things. But but here's the first thing we need to realize: if we are wasting time hoping things go back, they never go backwards. Mm-hmm. What was, what is always what was, and and adaptation, yeah, is your number one skill set. Okay. Getting better at constantly adapting and realizing that things are never built, they never stay the same. They're always changing. This will serve you in anywhere of your life. Okay. And so. To answer your question, though, like if you're struggling right now and Mm -hmm. your business is struggling right now, what is the number one thing you can focus on? Mm -hmm. Getting a sale. Okay. Getting a sale. There's this old line, revenue solves all problems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so maybe you have to tweak your packages or what you sell or your price point or who you're focused on. Maybe you need to, you, maybe you had all of these services and only one thing will work right now. Go all yeah. in on that. But, yeah. but here's a few tips. One, everybody tries to sell everything to everyone all the time. Niche down, niche down, simplify what you're doing. When Gordon Ramsay, my favorite entrepreneur is Gordon Ramsay, mm-hmm. when he goes in to a restaurant, and if you look at his really old shows before, Hell's Kitchen, before he started yelling at everyone all the time, if you go to his really old shows, he would go into a small restaurant Mm -hmm. and he would take their menu and he would throw it out the window and he'd say, we're only doing six dishes (laughs) and we're only doing six dishes that this team can deliver on day after day at a high value, high quality. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. Like there wasn't any more secret to him saving a business other than we're going to we're going to shrink what we do. Yeah. We're going to do it amazing. And it's only going to be stuff that I think our team can actually deliver on. Right. And and that's that's actually enough to save a business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So don't try to do everything for everyone. Shrink down what you do. Figure out what that one thing is you can sell and just
0: start selling it. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing. uh, Mark, I want to share something with you. It's a video. Just hold on a second. Let me pull it up for you, and then I'm going to ask you to comment on it. No problem. All right, hang tight.
1: those people that are feeling like maybe i'm not good enough or who am i to start the podcast who am i to do the creative work that i'm really feeling called to do what advice do you share to those people first of all you're not alone i mean i think that that's important Mm -hmm. i think so many of us feel like we are the only ones who feel this way we all feel this way we all are scared at a certain point we're all worried about it at a certain point but on the other side of you making that decision or taking that leap, you can have a higher standard. You can make yourself proud. You can make yourself look in the mirror and actually feel good about who's looking back. Like you can have that level of pride or love for yourself. On the other side of acceptance and making that hard decision and having that hard conversation and taking that risk is a much more beautiful life. Look at how lean that guy looked there, right? <laughs> that was about yeah. that
0: was about a month and a half after my health challenge there. And that it was, was it powerful was... stuff, Mark. That was powerful stuff. And so so after the challenge, you had this kind of it's like a revelation, a kind of new thing coming up on the inside of you to say to people, hey, you are never alone. I think that's one of the main problems with people coming out. Of the COVID scenario, well, you know, the thing that hey, I'm the only one that's going through this stuff. I'm the only one that's struggling, trying to recover, get back on my feet again. But that's not the reality of what's happening. And you addressed it so well, man. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, oh, I was. Amazing. It was a great conversation I had with Kate, my friend. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, I was. I was. I was struggling. I think. I think many of us are. Uh-huh. And and that's what I was saying earlier, though. It's like the struggle is always, and the struggle yeah. was. If we go back, it, it's, it's, you know, the government or um, taxes or recessions or COVID or what have you. And what I've come to realize is the build is never over. You're yeah. always building. You're yeah. always moving forward or moving back. You're always growing or you're always shrinking. The struggle never ends. And, and if you go back a year or two ago, I would have gone like, oh, my goodness, I'm so tired. <laughs> like, when is this? When, when can I just when put a it, stamp like yeah. done? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. done. I achieved it. Yeah, I climbed the mountain. It's it's over. <laughs> and and my Ran friends would indeed. be like, it's never over. And I'd be like, yeah. I'm so tired. Yeah. yeah, But this is why it's so important for you to do the things that light you up, that fire you up. Yeah. It's yeah. so important for you to pursue your passions and, and to eat well and to exercise and to sleep and all of that other stuff. But it's so important for you to show up doing what you do, doing the things that fire you up. Because if you don't, yeah. The never-ending struggle mm-hmm. will grind you down. But if you take care of yourself and you focus on your passions and you focus on your zone of genius and you focus at what you're best at and you realize that everyone else is struggling with these same things, stop comparing. You're yeah. not alone in this. If you do these things, the struggle that never ends yeah. is more like a fun challenge mm-hmm. or a game
0: and less hopeless. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> So, Mark, on a lighter note, and, and, and I don't mean to belittle all the stuff that we had shared before, just fantastic. You had a 747 for a day. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we
1: did television commercials for an airline. Okay. And uh, so we, we were shooting these television commercials for an airline called Sunwing. Mm-hmm. and they have resorts all over uh the, the the caribbean and um and so we had to go down to dominican uh for for like a full week shoot okay um which in itself was kind of cool but part right. of the commercials had us shooting people uh in the plane okay. and so when we're sitting down to plan these commercials we go like can we take the plane up yeah, and they're mean... like no <laughs> and we're like okay um is there any way we can shoot while traveling somewhere with real guests? We're, they're like, no. And we're like, okay, then you got to give us a plane. Like, you got to <laughs> give us a plane for a day. Right. And they're like, okay, we can do that. So we end up like, I end up driving to our international airport. Yeah. I end up going to this like back road mm-hmm. and it's like a prison. There's like fences and like wire and there's like these nasty looking buildings. Yeah. And I like open this, this steel door and suddenly I walk into like the most beautiful massive hangar you could possibly imagine wow. and sitting there is like a pristine 737 or 747 or something yeah, it's just yeah, it's just yeah. sitting there yeah and so the first time i'm like really respectful of it and we have the crew and we have the lighting and we set up green screens and it's cool like if we need chairs removed they just the maintenance come in and unbuild the chairs and we're really respectful the second time we did it about a year later when we shot the head of maintenance was kind of like bored and he's like what do you want to do and i was like mm-hmm can I sit in the, in the pilot seat? And he's like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. And then he's like, do you want to see all the aeronautics underneath? I'm like, okay. So we like climb under the plane and we're like, it's, Uh, it was really cool. cool. It was very, very very cool. But, but here's, here's the takeaway. It's not, it's cool that I got to do that, Mm -hmm. but I never told this story, these stories until recently. And And when you're building a personal brand Mm -hmm. or you're trying to connect with people or you're trying to write a book or you're trying to write a podcast or you're trying to help people, build your social media, anything you're trying to do, Mm -hmm. you need to realize that some of these things that is just you going to work. For me, that was just me going to work.
0: Okay, okay.
1: I never really thought about how cool it might be to tell Mm -hmm. that story. Okay. And you probably don't realize how cool it is to tell the stories of what you do, but to someone who doesn't do what you do, And for someone who doesn't think the way that you think, sharing your experiences, your stories, your own cool working with NBA players or or getting planes for a day, your own cool stories makes you so much more unique and
0: interesting. And you just need to share these stories. Exactly. It it reminds me of some work that I'm, I'm doing with a coach, and she was saying that she had the opportunity to be invited to a group of people that were Nobel Prize winners. And one of them, a scientist, he was intrigued because he was trying to figure out how he could get in contact with uh, a Tiger Woods or a LeBron James. And she was surprised because she was saying, I thought you probably only wanted to mix with people, you know, of your, your like kind, who have achieved what you have achieved and that kind of thing. And he was saying, No. I'm fed up with that. I have enough of that. <laughs> I'm looking for something new, something unique, something different. So, hook me up with, a, with, with an NBA star or a golf star or uh, a Lewis Hamilton or something, you know. But I just need to have something different, something unique, original that somebody else has experienced at that level. And, and that's going to make the difference to me. So, I, I see where you're coming from. Finally, Mark. I know you recently had an interview with Les Brown, and he's one of the persons that I kind of pattern my 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 speaking style or or copy some of his stuff from. What was that experience like for you? It's something that a lot of people would like to do.
1: Les, first of all, is is an amazing, generous, very kind and gifted man. Yeah, and I think anyone who's a fan knows that. Now, uh, when I when I first connected with Les's team. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't grow up with Les Brown. I wasn't a huge fan of Les Brown. Okay. It wasn't like I was like in, in the presence of, of small G, you know, yeah. God or anything. Um, But, but here's the funny story behind it. We were, uh, me and my friend, Evan Carmichael, were doing these tests on clubhouse. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with clubhouse, but it's an audio uh, app right. where you go yes. on and you do these live conversations. Yes. And so yes. in the spring of 2001, mm-hmm. um, me and Evan were trying to figure out how to run these like loops. And so right. anyone who knows Evan Carmichael's YouTube channel knows he puts out these top 10, these top 50 rules to success yeah. of entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I would take these rules and I would, I would take the audio and then we would run a, a room in Clubhouse where it was just running for like 24 hours straight. Right. And we got like a lot of attention. We got a lot of r- really cool people in there. But, but basically what happened is on a Friday night, I start running a less Brown room. And I didn't know Les Brown was on the app, <laughs> and so Les's son John Leslie comes into the room, and and I'm asleep. Uh huh. I'm, I'm asleep, but when I wake up at two in the morning to go to the bathroom, uh, I I look at my phone, and my phone has blown up. I'm getting wow. like crazy amount of messages because here's what happened: we're running a Les Brown room, and uh and Les Brown comes in to the room. Mm-hmm. my moderator who is who is making sure that everything's running properly brings yeah. les brown up onto the stage and yeah. les brown is trying to talk but the recording is still going on yeah yeah and so yeah. people are getting mad saying stop listening to the recording we want to hear less brown that's right and uh and so now i wake up the next day and i feel like i've just made the biggest mistake in the world right like all these people want to hear les brown no one wants to hear recording i maybe embarrassed them i maybe made them mad so i jump on a phone call with uh, their team and we jump on a meet and then we get a meeting and out of out of this whole mistake yeah this risk we were taking this mistake we were making yeah when we jumped on a call with them i explained listen we just wanted to share your content we're not selling anything. We're not Mm -hmm. scammers. We're just wanted to share your content and see what would happen on clubhouse. Yeah. And they realized that we were doing it for the right reasons. And they were like, okay, cool. We, we, we like that you're thinking. We like that you are trying things. We like that you were doing it for the right reasons. And so from there, we spoke a bit more. Um, we, we started collaborating on a few projects. I had less on my podcast. I flew down to New York uh, and helped them, host a, a live event and got mm-hmm. to spend uh, a day with with Les and his team uh and from there there's been a few other weird things where sometimes like honestly some t- I'd say every six months my phone rings mm-hmm. and I look down and, and it says Les Brown okay and I, I pick All up right. my phone and I go Hell- hello <laughs> and he goes Mark this <laughs> is Les Brown and I go hi hi les (laughs) and he goes how are you this afternoon or whatever it is and because he has a question about something or maybe we can help him with something and and it's the most bizarre thing
0: yeah because
1: (laughs) because honestly he has this rule only only good people Mm -hmm. they say this all the time i only want to work with good people only good people and i guess we pass the test at a certain point but it's but the funny thing is it all started with a mistake. Yeah. Wow. It started with us trying something that we thought was good mm-hmm. and we potentially embarrassed everyone. Wow. And when we went to apologize and try to fix it, they realized we were good people and there's more that we could do from that.
0: Amazing story. I love it. Mark, it has been a tremendous pleasure having you here on the breakout room. We have a pretty small audience. There were three persons watching for now um they kind of got mixed up with the times zone, but that's all right we're gonna do our editing and stuff but i really want to thank you mark drager for coming on uh pro conversationalist moderator brand strategist and founder of phantom medium and host of we do hard things in the breakout room the man mark drager mark any parting words uh that you want to say now or maybe you want to leave information with how folks can get in contact with you if they need your services as a brand strategist or an MC, whatever it is, just lay it all out there, man. <laughs> well, thank you,
1: Andy. Thank you for having me and for creating this space for us to connect. Sure, sure. Uh, if people want to check out, we do hard things. It's a podcast about facing fears, taking big risks, and chasing down dreams. And I've I've had the pleasure of connecting with people like Les Brown um, and others as well. We we connect with athletes and creatives and entrepreneurs and yeah. yeah it's been a remarkable journey for us. So if you want to check that out, you can listen to it on all of the regular podcast audio Mm -hmm. feeds, or you can head over to YouTube and uh, look up Mark Drager or we do hard things. And if you want to connect with me, head over to Instagram. My handle is at Mark Drager. Send me a DM. If you want to connect, it's, it's me, it's me there. And, uh, and I'll send you a voice note back. (laughs) Just to prove that (laughs) it's me and not some kind of chat bot or something.
0: (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. So, Thank you so very much, Mark, for making the time to be with us. We appreciate it. And we hope that you have much success with what you do going forward and that you continue to make a difference and add value to people's lives. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development saying so long, folks. We had a wonderful time with Mark. Remember, health, happiness, and prosperity. Keep your chin up. And keep reaching beyond the skies because there's no limit to what you can achieve. Until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development along with Mark Drager saying so long, Godspeed, Shalom, Namaste. Bye for now.